Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you're interested in learning how to make money licensing your music into television shows, video games, commercials, advertisements, and more, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Music, Money, and Life. Today, I'm speaking with the composer Milo Coelho. Milo is from and currently residing in Mexico City. Uh, Milo is a Berkeley grad. Milo attended Berkeley from 2006 to 2010. You said you then, uh, after Berkeley, you spent a couple years in L.A., correct, Milo? Yeah, I spent a few years, around three and a half years in, in L.A., working and meeting people and and trying to get as many connections as as possible <laughs> excellent well it, it it sounds you know just looking at your resume and all the different places your music has been used it sounds like you were pretty successful you know it sounds like you're doing pretty well so we're going to get into why you decided to move back to mexico city i'm really interested in finding out what that's like you know being in mexico and doing doing what it is you're doing but first, before we get into all of this, I want to just sort of give people an idea of some of the places your music has has been heard on. So your music has been heard on networks like NBC, the Discovery Channel, Food Network, History Channel, Bravo, Bravo National Geographic, CBS, ABC, A&E, BBC, TBS, the UFC Network, Fox, VH1, oh, I'm running out of breath, Hulu, <laughs> Amazon, Dove, Bimbo, um, Tropic. Kana, and the list goes on, Universal. You've had a lot of placements, it, it sounds like. So how how have you been able to, to do all of this? How are you being so successful in, in this very competitive industry? Well, it's been a, a mix of things. The first the first one, and I think the most important one, was that I was I was able to get into Vanacore Music, which is one of the the biggest companies in the US that writes writes music for for TV, so through them, I've been able to to get my music placed in a lot of different TV shows. And you and, said, and, and I'm sorry, uh, uh, you said that Vanacore Music is that the company? Yeah, Vanacore Music. Okay, it's cool. run by, by David Vanacore. Yeah, if you see his credits, he's done like over 300 TV shows. It, it's mostly reality TV. Yeah. But there's also a lot of uh, investigation, discovery documentaries, and History Channel documentaries and stuff like that. So it's that's been a lot of uh, that's been really helpful for me to play music and also to practice and and know what what the the industry likes and what the editors the music editors will like so they use and use and use your your music in different TV shows so it's been that's been one one big thing and it took me a while it took me like three years of of uh, 
trying to get in there because it's really competitive and they don't have that many composers in there. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's that that's been really really helpful. And I actually got got in there by writing mostly epic music. That that was the the thing they they used to call me at, at first to write the most. I was like the the, the epic hybrid music guy. Okay. And then they, they started trying me on different genres and and I started learning how to write them first. Maybe I wasn't that good at it, but but I started learning. And yeah, so that's that's been uh, a big part of of that of my TV music success. And so yeah, through through working so much with Vanacore and building my my resume, I now had credibility both for being a composer for Vanacore, which usually gives you credibility in LA in companies that they know that if you can write for Vanacore, then you probably know how to write just for music in general. So through that, I, I started writing for this other company called Music Mind Tracks. Okay. And they're fairly newer as compared to Vanacore Music, but they, they've also done music for a lot, a lot, a lot of shows. And with, with them, I've written a little bit. It's different kind of music, more like pop, like top 40s oriented music, which is something that I've always, I, I had always been intimidated by that, by that genre because it's so different from, from everything orchestral. It's, it's, you have to switch your brain to, to becoming a, a producer and using the, the sounds that are, that are being used today, not last year, not two years ago, but today to sound current. So that was really, really challenging, but it's, it's also been a lot of, a lot of fun. And then you can apply all that to, to everything else that, that you write, so it's really cool. And so yeah, through through those two, I've written a lot of music for TV. And then being in 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 Mexico City, we can we can talk about that now if you if you if you want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to get into that. Before we do that, though, I want to back up j just a little bit because you you mentioned that in the beginning when you were trying to get involved with Vanacor, you said it took like took you like three years before they accepted you. What was that process like? Were you just sending them the music constantly and then kind of revising what it is you're doing, you were doing based on their feedback or how were you able to, to get in successfully? It's an interesting story. <laughs> I, the first year that I tried, I was also working as the assistant, a composer assistant of uh, Craig Marks, who has also written a lot of music for, for TV. So that wasn't during my first year in LA, I was working for him. And then a friend of mine told me, hey, you should check out Vanacore Music. They write a lot of, of epic music for like Whale Wars and all these TV shows that I used to watch. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I always think I like the music when, when, I, when I watch those shows. So I contacted them and sent my demo. And they replied that, that David Vanacore wanted to meet me. And then I told them that I was working for this other composer and they said they wanted me to be exclusive. So I was like, mm, I, I can't do that right now. So I, I, I was like, thank you. I'll, I'll try maybe uh, next year or some some other time. Yeah. Then I tried the next year, and the person who replied, he started since I was the the Latino guy, he started asking me to write reggaeton. Okay. Which, which I'm very much. Uh, I'm not usually very eager to write that specific genre. It's probably the only genre that I'm like, oh, okay. Not so too, too excited about. I, yeah, no. So I tried uh, two two tracks, and he started giving me a lot, a lot of feedback, and I I really wasn't enjoying it. If he was asking me in any other genre, I'd probably keep going, keep going. 
And so it, it just came to a point that I was like, oh, I can't keep doing this. It goes against my my integrity. I don't know. Yeah. So I so I uh, I, I didn't keep going. And the next year, a good friend of mine from Berkeley, uh, she got into into Vanacre music. She started working like in the in the studio, and she told the the people in there this thing about this guy making me write uh, reggaeton. And they were like, he he he's not even the music guy, and, and he he was fired or something like that. Okay. And, and before, and they told me that he wasn't even a music guy, that he wasn't supposed to be giving me musical feedback. Huh. So it was a really strange situation. And they they uh, checked my my demo again, and they liked it, so they started sending me my first TV show. There was uh, Doomsday Preppers. It's an, on Nat Geo, and it was all epic action, hybrid music. So I, I did a lot of tracks for that, and then just took it from there and, and kept going. But yeah, I have a lot of friends that I, I told. I also I've also told a lot of friends to contact them and to send them their demo, and they're very 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 specific about what they're looking for, and they don't. Yeah, they don't. There are other companies that have like over a hundred composers or or even more. Yeah, and I they they have all, around twenty five at the most, and they. They mostly use their in-house composers, and when they need a lot of help, they use outside composers. So yeah. Cool. And and so the tra- the tracks that you were sending Vanacore, the tracks that you were composing for them, were they for like very specific projects? Like you knew exactly what they needed, and you would custom do custom scores and custom compositions. Is that how yeah. it worked? Yeah. Yeah. Always. Every single time they they send me different references from things that they've either done before or references that the client sent. And, and it just has to be like in that same world that, or if it's a a new show, we start trying things out until the the client likes where where we're going. And then we, we stick to that. But yeah, there's usually uh, a lot of, of references and different moods. They ask you like, there's a lot of dramedy going on, a lot of, uh, uh, modern orchestra uh, comedy, modern orchestra inspirational. That's a thing that's happening lately, and it's I think it's really cool. It's it's you can be more artistic with with that kind of music, and also there's there's this uh, trend of writing more cinematic music. Not cinematic like epic uh, trailer music, but cinematic, as in you're telling a story with a with a track. And that's always really rewarding, as opposed to just trying a, a a track that just gives you one mood. You can be a little bit more emotional and and get more into the the music that you're you're sending them. But yeah, there's always references. There's always specifics, unless there's it's a new show. And even if it's a new show, there's usually some guidelines that you need to follow. Cool. And when you were writing these tracks for for Vanacore, are you, do you still work with them? By the way, is is this a library that you still place music through? Yeah, I still work through them. Not as much as I did before because I now I have a lot of stuff going on in in Mexico as well. But I still occasionally write for them when they when they need extra help. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I want to get into uh, Mexico, but wh- another question about Vanacore. I'm just curious how this worked because this is a little bit different than than what I do licensing wise when you were writing these custom tracks were you paid up front or were you only paid if and when the, uh, a track was actually placed in the TV shows they worked on both yeah you get a fee per yeah for the for the track and then you get a uh, you get your royalties 
later on a lot a long time later on yeah yeah i know how that works um cool so i want to get into um mexico city and what that's like living and working as a musician there i i like i mentioned before we started recording i love mexico i've spent a few months there a couple of years ago i spent i think almost three months in the yucatan peninsula and i i did a video for my youtube channel at the time all about how much i love mexico but i want to i want to get into that but first i want to sort of back up and follow the chronology of your career a, a little better so you started at berkeley like I said, you were there from 2006. You graduated in 2010, and then you went to L.A. and you spent three and a half years out there. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Was that a, a good move for you career-wise? Career Did you Was that a fruitful time? What was your experience like in L.A.? Yeah, it was the, the best decision I could have, I could have made, it. It, especially not only because of the, of the connections I made, but especially because of, of the, rhythm, the rhythm it it made me get into like especially being a, a foreign student or a, for, a foreigner in, in in LA yeah you have to work really 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 hard so that you can get your artist visa because that's ah. based on, on achievements and on portfolios so I was like I have to do everything I can as much as I can otherwise I won't be able to stay here and so the first year that was my my purpose I was uh, on one hand, I was working with with this composer, and on the other hand, I was uh, just sending I don't know 20, 50 emails every day to every single director, cinematographer, editor, music supervisor, producer, anyone in in the film industry that I that I could uh, get their their contact. If I saw a TV show, I saw the who wrote the music in the end, then I would look him up. I would send them an email just to see if they wanted some extra help. Just that that rhythm that that you have to get into because the competition is unbelievably intense there. Yeah, uh, you have to have that mindset. So yeah, it, it got me in a really good rhythm and and with the right mindset of if you want to be successful doing music for films and TV and games and all that, you can't stop. You, you can't stop if you have if you have jobs, you can't stop. If you don't have jobs, you can't stop even less. So so you just have to keep going and going and going. So yeah, LA was a really really good move for me. I personally, I, I thought it was a bit lonely in LA. It's for me, it's hard. It was hard to meet uh, genuine people. I, I felt like everyone was just trying to prove something. Yeah. So that that, that was kind of a, a turn off for me, and that made made it easier uh, for me to 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 move out. So yeah, first year I was working on that. I, I got my my artist visa, and then I stayed for another two and a half years. And yeah, and I. Most I was doing mostly uh, films, in the independent films, uh, while I was there. Not a lot of TV. I, I most of my TV opportunities came right before I moved back to to Mexico. And once I got uh, back in Mexico, I, I started getting all a lot of, of more opportunities writing for TV, which goes to show you don't have to be anywhere. You just have to know the right people to write for 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 TV in, in the U.S. Yeah, no, and that's sort of what I was thinking. Like you, you know, it sounds like moving to LA was a, a good decision career-wise in terms of sort of getting you into a rhythm with your work and with your and with your music. But it sounds like maybe you didn't enjoy it as much socially. So my my question was going to be, and I think you already answered it. Do you think you need to be in LA to get into that sort of rhythm, or can you? Is that more of an internal thing that you can kind of do from anywhere? 
I think being in LA makes you get into that rhythm. Otherwise, you you end up moving out and go back home and start and want to do something else, which happens to a lot of people. I have so many really talented uh, friends from Berkeley that I was like, I'm pro I'm sure he's gonna do really well. He's he writes really good music, and now they're back home, maybe playing with a band and and working on other things, or they started something else after. So so yeah, being in LA makes you or breaks you. Yeah. And, and so and it's all it's also a personality thing that like you you can either go that way or you'll go the the other way but in in my in my case i it started at berkeley like my last semester i was already super intense sending emails to everyone in la getting interviews when i when i went first went to la when i before i graduated no right after i graduated i visited la and i had three interviews it was one with james temple the composer mm -hmm. uh, Uh, another one at Mutato Music with uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, and the third one was with James Newton Howard. And so I, I interviewed with with for those different studios, and I got none of those jobs. Okay. <laughs> but, once, but once I was in LA, I was like, oh, I'm already here. Uh, I still had all my stuff uh, in Boston, so so I was like, what am I going to do if I leave right now? And and one of these studios calls and they need me. I can't come back quickly, so I just stayed there and and I had someone move all my stuff from from Boston to LA, and so yeah, I didn't even get a, a farewell party or anything in Boston. I just moved there and 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 stayed there. So you just decided to move there and and make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And where did you? What part of LA did you live in? Where were you living exactly? I was I was near downtown. That was that's another thing that I. If I if I would have been able to live in in Santa Monica, my experience would have been probably very different socially because yeah. I would have been at the beach and it's it's a very different life. But budget wise, since I was just uh, graduated and I, I had to be somewhere where it was where it was okay to bring in clients, but that it wasn't uh, uh, too expensive because LA can get pretty expensive the closer you get to the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, it can get crazy expensive. What kind of a st apartment did you have? I'm just curious. Did you have a studio, a, one bedroom? It was a, it was a one bedroom, and uh, yeah, the living room was a studio. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Um, okay, awesome. So it sounds like LA was a very good decision for you, and then you ended up, you decided ultimately to move back to Mexico City. Let's talk a little bit about like what that's like, what you're up to currently. What is it like being a musician in Mexico City? Yeah. Well, first of all, I moved back because uh, me and my now wife were gonna have a baby, and and since I wasn't particularly uh, super happy living in LA, I was really I was I was happy, but I was just like, mm, I don't think I'm gonna stay here for Forever. the next 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, we decided to move back back to to Mexico City because there's also a lot a big industry here, and the the one giant plus against uh, LA is that competition here is like I mean the, the, it's not nothing compared to LA to LA in LA every single semester there's tons of new students really talented students from USC from UCLA from Berkeley from Juilliard from everywhere and, and also from Europe yeah. that are moving to LA to get to achieve that dream and some are great some are not that great but they have this huge ambition and they're moving all the time. So maybe they get there first. And it's, I, I always felt like it was just an, an ocean where everyone's trying not to drown and just sometimes pulling other people down, sometimes just trying to stay uh, 
on on top of 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 the of everyone. Yeah. So so I got back here and I realized that with all the, with the portfolio that I already had, I was already on not on top obviously, but I was on a very good level to start from there. So that was really really helpful. I immediately met uh, more important people than I probably would have gotten a chance in in LA. In LA, you, the, this, this kind of people in the music industry, they probably get a hundred emails every day. So it's just not a thing to look for talent. It's just more of a, if you get introduced to, to them and they like you, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll want to work with you. And in Mexico, it's a little bit different. In Mexico, there's not first. Yeah. There's not a, a big, uh, awareness of, of the, yeah, of the career of, of film scoring, mm-hmm. you, you, yeah, not a lot of people know that that's actually something you can make a living in and a good living in if, if you play your cards right. So yeah, here, here, for me, it was a lot easier to, to start climbing up. That's, that's the thing. In LA, I felt like, and it's not, not to trash talk LA or anything. I mean, you, you can still do great things there, but probably, the 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 biggest things you can do in this industry you can only achieve them living in LA but you can do a lot of great things back in your country or back in your city and still get a lot of stuff in LA so so yeah i don't know if i'm i'm uh, answering your question yeah no no you you totally are i mean you're bringing up i'm thinking of more questions which is, I mean, it sounds like you're saying it's sort of the best of both worlds because you're now in this this whole different territory where there's less competition. So it sounds like it's easier to kind of make headway, but you can still get placements through your L.A. connections is what it sounds like. But what I'm wondering is what does what is the film industry and TV industry like in Mex- Mexico and Mexico City compared to L.A. in terms of what you're of what you're being paid. Is it comparable? Is it like that, how- is, that was the most surprising thing when I, when I got down here yeah. uh, in LA, independent films are like, there's very, there's usually very low budgets. Yeah. And w- what you call an independent film in Mexico can be a really, really big film. So I've, uh, the, the gigs that have been paid the most that have been in Mexico. And that's really crazy. Like people will come here, clients, and we'll be like, "Yeah, sorry, we have really a real low budget," and they tell me the budget, and I'm like, "That's not a low budget for an indie film. That's a low budget for a for a big film." So yeah, in in terms of payment, and I'm just talking about Mexico. I don't know about other countries. There's not a lot of, of films, obviously, compared to LA or compared to Bollywood or China. I mean, their their industries are massive. Here, it's re- it's growing a lot. But it's not as big as it is in, in LA. So if you do the, the, like the proportion of how many films per year are in LA against how many composers are, there are in LA and in Mexico, how many films per year as, uh, compared to how many composers there are, it's sort of the same, but still in, in, in Mexico, it's easier to make a lot of more independent films, especially if you have a, a, a resume and, and you have experience doing it because most composers in in Mexico, they they've done a couple of films at at the most, and they, it's not something they dedicate their lives to. It's just something that oh yeah, my friend's a filmmaker, and since I have a band and we're successful, or since I'm a musician and I play guitar, he asked me to do, to write the music. It's more that mindset. In LA, the the 
the filmmakers are very aware of all the film scorers that are there and and the people in TV are also very aware of all the really talented people out there writing music for TV. So yeah, that's that's I think how how it compares. Interesting. So it sounds like what you're saying is you actually make more because it's a smaller pool of of competition. Is that fair to say like in LA there's more projects, but there's also way more composers and there there's way more hungry, ambitious composers that are probably willing to work for less. Do you, do you think that's, that's why it is? Yeah, absolutely. And also the, the low, low budgets, low budget indie films in LA are really, 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 really low budget. So that's another, another thing. Like they'll ask you to write, to write music for, for no money. And I mean that happens everywhere and also in Mexico, but in my personal experience, in since I've been here, it it just sounds like I'm making Mexico look like the best thing and LA like the worst thing. And it's not, that's not my 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 intention. My intention is just to share my experience in in both worlds. But but yeah, my my in my experience in Mexico, you you can ask for for more money and people won't be surprised if you can back it up. And in LA, they kind of expect you to work for nothing if everyone else is working for, for nothing or for for a small amount. So yeah, it's. I think it's also since in LA the, the industry is so massive, you have the extremes like the three hundred million dollar films and the absolutely no budget films. So that that happens a lot in Mexico. I think it's a little bit more narrow. You have, I don't know, like ten million dollar films and. And uh, no budget films that are that are also unless they're students they're they're trying to get a, a money and there's also a lot of support from the governments mm. and they you have to like audition your your script or your your folder of the film to to get uh, money from 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 the government to make the film so that's also one thing there's there's some kind of support in the in the government to for the in- industry and for the independent films awesome so it sounds like what you're saying milo if i'm reading you correctly is that we should all move to mexico city <laughs> everybody, everybody in the- no, then there will be a lot of competition and i won't have any right more work. <laughs> and, we'll, we'll, and we'll just ruin the 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 industry no i'm joking no that that i mean to me that totally makes sense i think it's just a supply and demand issue LA yeah. is awesome for certain things, but there's a lot of people in the music industry and in the entertainment industry, and obviously that's going to make it harder in a certain uh, way as well. So that that makes sense to me. Do you? I'm just curious. Do you perform live as well? Are you? Um, do you strictly compose? Or are you also performing? I'm 99% composing and, and performing occasionally, but that that's more. Uh, yeah, because when I was at Berkeley, I, I did film scoring and performance on on drums. So, yeah, that was more of a, a strategic choice of what will make me, what will make a better living and what, what I was more excited about when I graduated was film scoring by far. So I, I, I went straight for that. But yeah, the, the thing is, I, I did the, the playing in bands for a long, long, long time before, before Berkeley and during Berkeley and a little bit in LA as well. I, I played in, a few like three with th- three different artists and I love it I love to play live and I I've probably been doing that for a longer time than than writing writing music but it's since I'm a drummer and you have to carry the drums and you have to it's a lot a lot of hustle for for a little payment and since I had my baby 
now I have two two babies, three year old and a one and a half. Yeah. So yeah, I I can be uh, spending time like trying to make it with a band. I, yeah. I have to, I'm with, with making music and making money. <laughs> that totally makes sense. I can relate to that a hundred percent. I I still play live quite a bit, just mainly because I love it so much. But yeah, it's like it it's so much work, and when you calculate you know, what you make per hour when you factor in rehearsals and going back and forth to gigs and carrying equipment and before the show and after the show, it, you know, financially doesn't always make a lot of sense, but it's just so much, so much fun for me. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you make, that you bring that up because just, just last week I had a, a show. I played in a show on, on Saturday. Yeah. It was in another, in another city and I had to go to, it's the city's called Querétaro and I had to be there from Wednesday to till Saturday, uh, rehearsing because it was a lot, a lot, a lot of songs and I I didn't know them. And for the whole thing, uh, money-wise, I mean, I enjoyed it incredibly and it was so much fun and the guys in the band were were awesome. Uh, but money-wise, I made more money on Sunday that I came back writing for two hours hmm. than than I made for all those days rehearsing and then the show. I mean, it's it's very. It's it's weird and it's it's I don't understand how the the industry got to that point where it can be you can work so much on one thing and get paid so so little and then on, on another thing you can work so little and get paid so much but yeah that's how it works I guess yeah and obviously if you are in a band that has a big following you know, you know you're obviously gonna get paid more and there's still yeah of course you know, you know I I guess for me like the, the like I. I have sort of this rule that I want to play live somewhere, even if it's just an open mic, at least once a week. And that's something I've really been trying to stick to this year. And it's not for the money, obviously, but but yeah. I, do, there, I don't, for me, like there's something about performing in front of people that mm. makes me feel like a real musician, if that makes sense. Not that composition, <laughs> obviously, that's a real aspect of of the industry, but there's just something about performing live that I feel like I, w I want to maintain my ability to do that, you know, in, yeah. in case I ever get that call to open up for John Mayer or something, I want to be ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You're making a connection in real time and it's, it's very different from just being alone in your, in your studio and writing music to be playing live. Yeah. Also, I also really love it. I think it's also, uh, I, I just got into this rhythm of, making music, making music, meeting people, loving to write music, loving to write music, that I also, I mean, I understand what you're saying now perfectly, and now you're making me want to perform weekly too, <laughs> but I, I understand perfectly. It's 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 a very different experience, even though both are music. Y yeah, it's it's different, and you're looking at people's reactions while you're playing, and it's, it's a different kind of enjoyment. <laughs> Yeah, and for me that sort of I mean it it changes from year to year. There's been years where I haven't really performed that much, but that's just sort of where I'm at now and um that could always change, but but I I have a gig tonight actually that I'm looking forward to. Mm. So, well listen, Milo, this has been awesome. This has been really interesting. It's uh, you know, really cool to talk to composers that are are based, you know, outside of the US to kind of get your perspective of what it's like to be doing this from uh, a different country. So this is really cool. I appreciate you doing this. What I want to do is um, let's tell people where they can learn more about you. Let's give them yeah. your website address. Yeah, my website is Milo Coelho. It's M-I-L-O-C-O-E-L-L-O.com. 
And you can also find me on on Facebook, on Twitter. Facebook is the one I, I use the most to to just uh, keep everyone posted on, on what I'm working on. Also Instagram. Yeah, I'm I'm Smilo Coelho on on all the social networks except for Snapchat because I I still don't understand how that works. <laughs> I don't even have have a, a Snapchat account. I'm new to like I just started my Instagram account a couple months ago and I'm tr- I'm posting stuff and trying trying to get more followers. It, it's kind of fun. So check out Milo uh, Coelho on online on his website on Facebook on Instagram. Uh, he's doing some really interesting things. Milo, what I'd like to do, I don't know if you are familiar with my podcast, but usually what I do at the end of each podcast is I play a song from each guest. Mm-hmm. And I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have a, a track that you can send me that I can put at the end so people can check out your music? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll think of one. Huh. Okay. I'll have to think of which one to send, but yeah. Okay, so um, it, yeah, if you don't know of one in particular, just just let me know, and then I'll edit. Like, I want to tell people what the track is called, so I'll just edit uh, that in at the end. Okay, perfect. Awesome, Milo. Well, thanks so much, man. Have a great day. Thank you too, man. Thank you for having me. All right, so I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Milo. I thought that was a really good podcast. I really enjoyed talking to Milo. And Milo actually emailed me after the interview, after we recorded what you just listened to, and he wanted me to clarify a point that he was trying to make about living and working in Mexico City versus living and working in L.A. And I thought the easiest thing to do would be to just read the email that he sent me. So this is what Milo said. Hey, Aaron. During the interview, I also meant to say that I don't see the fact that there's less competition in Mexico as a mediocre way for me to do better or to feel, in quote, successful, but completely as a strategy because being here, I can and have climbed much faster, reaching a point where I do bigger projects quickly. And then once I do this for a while, I can get the attention of other directors and producers, Mexican and American. And if I play my cards right, jump back into Hollywood films, but without going through the nowadays almost impossible and oversaturated ladder in L.A. And that's the end of his message. And I think Milo actually brings up a really good point, which is that there are, you know, definitely pros and cons to being in major music cities like L.A., New York, and and Nashville. On one hand, you have more industry there and more opportunities, but conversely, you have more competition and more people vying for those opportunities. So I think this is a really interesting point, and it's it's actually one of the reasons that I've yet to move to a city like L.A. L.A. is probably the city I would move to quickest out of L.A., Nashville, and New York. I feel like I have more connections there. I like the weather better, um, but I haven't ju- I haven't made that decision yet. And what I've chosen to do instead, in lieu of moving to, moving to a place like LA, is to make trips out there on a, a regular basis. I try to get out there once a year or so. So I think Milo raises a really interesting point. I think there is definitely it's sort of a su- supply and demand issue. You have more opportunity, but you also have more competition. So just something to to think about for all of you out there listening to this. I'm going to close the podcast with a composition from Milo. This is a song he sent me, uh, one of his compositions called Sweet Farewell. Hope you enjoy it. Have a great day.